Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese exalts the exalted one. Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord Yahweh had done for Israel. Listen, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. The focus is God, not Moses. Blessed be the Lord Yahweh who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. Moses, you're indebted to God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said a godly leader finds strength by realizing his weakness, finds authority by being under authority, finds honor by being faithful, finds greatness by being a servant. And having led the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses now seeks guidance in guiding in a godly manner. So here in chapter 18 of Exodus, Pastor Xavier finds Moses' father-in-law counseling in the law of God. It's a simple truth study from our series in Exodus titled, Humble and Wise Leadership. The great judgments and miracles of God were short-lived, as you know, in the heart and mind of the people of God. Uh, We are no different than they. Keep that in mind. They complained to Moses before the Red Sea crossing, accusing him that he had brought them out to kill him in chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. They complained after the crossing of the Red Sea. First they rejoiced, but then they came to the waters of Merah. They were bitter, and God made them sweet, but they, they were grumbling. 1523. They complained about being hungry. After all the miracles, as if God couldn't provide for them, God gave them quail and manna in Acts 16. And then they contended with Moses for water to drink at Massa or Meribah, contention and strife. God told Moses to strike the rock, which was Christ, we're told by Paul, 1 Corinthians 10.4. And he gave them to drink. God was constantly protecting, providing for them, but it seems that they forgot the previous provision. It's a lesson for you and I, Always. They have come now and arrived at the mountain of God where Jethro visits Moses at the camp. Let me read here, verse 1 on down. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, uh, with her two sons, in whom the name of the ones was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Underline that. Very important. That's the location. Now, he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you and your wife uh, and her two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about the well-being and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. 
And then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifice to offer to God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel ate bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit? And all the people stand before you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you, and you are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen to me now, my voice, and I will give you counsel that God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, Men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to rule, as rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people all the time. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their place in peace. And so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and rulers of tens. And so they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. The arrival at the mountain of God is where Jethro visits Moses at the camp. And it's marked by three things. Verse 1 through 6, you have the purpose of Jethro in coming to Moses. Secondly, verse 7 through 12, you have the praise of Jethro for the God of Moses. And then 13 through 27, you have the practical counsel of Jethro to Moses. Let's begin here, even as the purpose of Jethro in coming to Moses is given to us. The man Jethro, notice, is given a threefold identity. His personal name is Jethro, which means his abundance. His religious title was the priest of Midian. A priest, as you know, was one who was a mediator between God and man. A priest presents the people to God. 
and represents God to the people, at least from the concept of the biblical perspective in the Levitical law. Notice his relationship to Moses, his father-in-law. Jethro was a descendant of Abraham through his second wife, Keturah, through the Midianites, Midia, Genesis 25.2 and 1 Chronicles 1.32. The man Jethro, notice in verse 1, responded to the victory God gave in Egypt. He heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. Once again, God takes ownership of his people here. The ten plagues poured out throughout through Moses in Egypt was related to him personally by Moses without doubt. The demonstration of the power of God to the people in Egypt, I'm sure, was given in great detail. Their 430 years of bondage had been broken by Yahweh. Their freedom had come by Yahweh. Nobody else. Now, notice in verse 2 through 6, the secondary reason behind the visit of Jethro was to reunite Moses with his family. The circumstance in verse 2 and 4 of the call of Moses by God had separated them and he had sent his wife back, as you remember. In verse 2, it says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, which means sparrow or bird. She must have been a tiny little thing. After he had sent her back, we get this commentary in verse 2. If you remember in Exodus chapter 4, verse 24 through 26, the information is given to us there. It came to pass on the way that as God had sent Moses in the encampment, the Lord met Moses to kill him. And Moses had been disobedient to the rite of circumcision, the covenant that God had given to Abraham in Genesis 17. And the reason we know this, because in verse 25 of Exodus 4, Zipporah took a sharp stone, as you remember, cut off the foreskin of her son, and cast it at the feet of Moses, and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. Zipporah seems to be the reason for Moses' compromise. And she knew exactly the solution to the problem as God sought to kill Moses, expressing her despite for Moses. Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go after that to continue to Egypt. Then she uttered once again in verse 26 of chapter 4, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. And there can be no mistake. Zipporah appears to repeat this disgust over the circumcision there. And then she returns to Jethro, her father's house, as Moses goes on to Egypt. So we get this little commentary that we wouldn't know otherwise that points us back to that. Now they're coming back together. In verse 3 and 4, the sons of Moses also came with her. Notice the circumstances of the arrival of Moses prompted Jethro to send the message to Moses of his coming in verse 5 and 6. So he didn't just arrive. In verse 5, the geographical location is Media, not the Sinai Peninsula. This is very important. Very important because the majority of scholars, all of them, in fact, in your Bible maps, are wrong. 
the mountain Sinai, Horeb, is not in the Sinai Peninsula. It is in Midia. And we are told right here that he came to the mountain of God. The collective party is grouped together. Notice Jethro's Moses' father-in-law came with his sons and his wife to the wilderness. And the exact site is, is stated where he was encamped at the mountain of God. We are told when Moses fled, he fled to Midian. This is where the mountain of God is, where Moses had fled. Exodus 2.15 tells us that. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back part of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, Exodus 3.1. This is the mountain that the angel of Yahweh appeared to Moses in the flaming bush, a flame of fire, Exodus 3.2. God told Moses there, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, Exodus 3.12. In fact, the New Testament commentary in Galatians 4.25, as we pointed out before, Paul says that Hagar is Sinai in Arabia. That's all we need. We don't even need to know the geography. We have the New Testament commentary where this mountain is. It's not in the Sinai Peninsula. It's in Arabia, which is Midia in all maps. So this is where they're at. They're at the mountain of God. The summary statement of the message sent is recorded for us here in verse 6. And the message was sent to Moses that Moses might anticipate his arrival. I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. The psalm says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133.1 If we're from the same family of God, we should be able to get along. We should be able to agree on God's word. We may differ in a lot of things, but our unity, our agreement, our oneness is that we believe 100% what the word of God says. You understand? We're in agreement there. And that in itself is going to set every other thing I accept that's not going to contradict the word of God. So our individual differences really are personal and they have nothing to do with the contradiction of the word of God. You understand? Very important. The importance of a man being the spiritual head of and high priest of the home is invaluable. We see this throughout scripture. He is to lead by word and example. He is to oversee his family, to uphold the standard of the Bible in his home, celebrating the victories that God brings about through each of them. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. What a great responsibility for us men, as well as accountability. And so the purpose of Jethro in coming to Moses was to celebrate his triumphal return. Notice secondly in verse 7 through 12, the praise of Jethro for the God of Moses is given to us. In 7 and 8, the reunion of Moses and Jethro after the exodus was a loving one. Notice that. Their greeting was marked by respect and affection. Moses welcomed them by 
doing obeisance. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, prostrated himself. Moses demonstrated his appreciation. He kissed him. Moses and Jethro expressed mutual concern, and they asked each other about their well-being. How are you doing? How did you fare out through those difficult times? Moses and Jethro enjoyed their fellowship. It says they went into the tent. Great picture of, um, of oneness and unity here between these men. Now, notice the report of God's judgment and faithfulness was recounted to Jethro by Moses here in verse 8. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord, Yahweh, had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. Without doubt from the first meeting with the elders to the last meeting with Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea in great detail. And you can just see his father-in-law's eyes just big and just to hear it firsthand information, not a hearsay. Because I'm sure there was a lot of rumors <laughs> by this time. Notice all the hardships also that had come upon them in verse 8 on the way. And how the Lord Yahweh had delivered them. So the bitter waters of Marah, he told them all about that. After they had this great victory, and they praised God, and they sang, and they danced. And then, boo. They weren't drinkable. God made them drinkable. The provisions of quail and manna, murmuring against God. Not really the leaders. The provisions of water, as he struck the rock. The destruction of Amalek. His mighty protection over them once again. Detail by detail. So important for us to recount these things to our children. To share them with others what God has done. Now notice the response of Jethro over the exodus was a joyous one in verse 9 through 11. And 9, he acknowledged God brought about the exodus, not Moses. It's, 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 we have to be careful how we share things as pastors, leaders, or Christians because people can get the idea and they glory in us. So we share them in such a way that God's the one that's the focus. You understand? And this is very clear in the text. He was elated by the good Yahweh did on Israel's behalf, verse 9 says. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord Yahweh had done for Israel. He affirmed Yahweh delivered Israel. Not Moses, listen, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. The focus is God. Look at verse 10. He exalted God for the deliverance, not Moses. He congratulated Yahweh for the survival of Moses. And Jethro said, blessed be the Lord Yahweh who has delivered you. Out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. Moses, you're indebted to God. He congratulated Yahweh for the survival of the people. And who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. And then in verse 11, he declared the uniqueness of God. Not Moses. 
Yahweh was the only true God. Now I know that the Lord Yahweh is greater than all the gods, small g. Yahweh was omnipotent, all-powerful. For in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, the Egyptians, trusting their gods, he was above them. Now notice, in verse 12, the reaction of Jethro to the report of the Exodus was a worshipful one. All you can do is worship after hearing all this stuff. Yeah, oh my, my, that's nice. Oh, that's wonderful. No. I mean, this has got to work. He offered sacrifices. Sacrificial offerings to God as a priest. Now, some people have a difficult time with this. The offering represents his dedication and consecration to Yahweh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering. Later on, the Levitical law, burnt offerings, dedication and consecration to God. Now, people argue that these, these chapters, uh, 18 and, and even 19 and some of these and 24, they're really out of place chronologically. They should be put after the law because the law hadn't been given. Well, the law, some of the law had already been given to an extent. In fact, God is going to be telling Moses, write these things down. The other offerings are not identified and other sacrifices to offer to God. Could have been thanksgiving offerings, peace offerings. But um, they're in fellowship here, which implies that God allowed this. Now, we know that God is holy, and we know that no one can approach God in the priesthood except those he allows, right? We have many cases in Scripture where Korah and those guys wanted to presume on their position and says, you, Moses and Aaron, you're the only ones that you think God speaks to. And Moses, well, I don't know, but let's ask God. And if he does something weird like open the earth up and swallow you up, then I guess he does. And uh, you remember that uh, King Uzziah also, he presumed upon the, the office of priest and God struck him with leprosy. And yet here we have um, Jethro offering sacrifices, which implies that God was already dealing with other people besides just Moses and Israel. Remember, they're related. They knew about the faith of Abraham. So here's evidence of that. It's not explained, it's not given great detail, but the implication, we know God is holy, he doesn't allow people in, so if he accepts this, then we have to accept it as God having initiated and dealing with these individuals. Still in 12, notice he was acknowledged as being able to officiate the office of priests by those elders of Israel. The representative leaders of Israel affirmed their approval. The future high priest of Israel, Aaron, went to Jethro. The elders of Israel accompanied Aaron to be with Jethro. They would be the first ones, hey, hey, you can't do that. They didn't. The representative leaders of Israel confirmed their approval. Aaron and the elders expressed their oneness as they went to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law. And Aaron and the elders of Israel and Jethro expressed their oneness with God as they ate before God. Communion, the closest thing you can do in those days to eat with someone. You're becoming one with this. You're dipping into the same bowl and you're breaking out the same bread. What's nourishing you is nourishing them and you are in fellowship with each other. 
and it's all in the worship of God. You understand here? Pastor Xavier Reese, describing the unity where there is communion in Christ. Simple truths he draws from our study of Exodus chapter 18. And there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Humble and Wise Leadership. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Humble and Wise Leadership. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 